Welcome to the What's What Weekly Wrap-Up. Today's show focuses exclusively on this week's features from the WFUV Newsroom. I'm David Escobar. And I'm Jay Doherty. And here are this week's feature stories. Every month, the What's What podcast brings you Fordham conversations. And in this month's installment, WFUV's Isabel Danzis sat down with Fordham professor Lori Goldkine to discuss the future of AI technology and social work. I know you've talked in the past about how um, ChatGBT and other like AI systems can really be a help to autistic and neurodivergent people. Would you mind just starting off talking a little bit about that? I think what's exciting about ChatGPT is it sort of shine the light on how neurodivergent individual might be able to use um, large language models in a way that was um, that is kind of a a life hack in a way. There's something really exciting about someone who struggles to communicate with neurotypical individuals having access to a resource that can be used as a foundational kind of document. And would you mind elaborating a little bit about how kind of these programs can help um, neurodivergent people communicate with neurotypical people? It's important to realize or to recognize that the academic literature hasn't really caught up with practices yet, but what is showing up um, across different ASD support groups and across different peer support groups for folks who are neurodivergent, um, people are kind of demonstrating for each other and sort of showing how to use a chat GPT-like tool to do things like craft emails to neurotypical people, um, to make scripts and role play how to communicate with neurotypical people um, in a way that I think um, offers someone the ability to rehearse. That seems like a pretty positive thing that this platform can provide. Are there any drawbacks? So I think there's a few drawbacks and a few um, a few cautions. So one, we know that when you sign on the terms of service agreement or the user agreement, right, when you go to set up an account for a chat GPT, um, we know that it part of that agreement is that the prompts that you type in or any um, written material that you might type into that box becomes a part of the large language model, right? So if somebody's writing an email for instance, about like negotiating for a salary with their boss and somehow names that person or the company name right in the email, that that context becomes a part of the large language model. And then the other question um, among others is that it's not always accurate. And so I think it's really important for people who are going to use these supports or use this tool as a support, that's a better way to say that, um, are really cognizant that they have to sort of check and recheck what the machine is um, offering to them as a resource. And then um, on the just on the topic of ChatGPT in general, I've seen that you've talked about how kind of this platform and other, you know, like AI systems can kind of help fill gaps in maybe a person's mental health treatment as temporary replacements for, say, a therapy session or anything like that. Could you kind of expand on that topic? So we know a few things. Um, one is that me- there's a mental health crisis globally and that there's not, we can't make providers fast enough to meet the demand for services. So on one hand, the large language models have the potential for kind of filling in as a support where providers are not available. For clients who do not have a serious mental illness or require critical care, um, the the 
ChatGPT or a large language model can offer things like journal prompts. And so I think that's the journaling capacity and component is one um, is one pathway. And then the other pathway is that, and again, for folks who don't have a significant disorder, um, they can ask ChatGPT for therapeutic and wellness resources. And because of the data that the large language models are built on, it can it will scan text and scan exercises and articles um, and be able to offer some suggestions for what an individual, again, without like a, um, a significant diagnosis, um, can do on an interim basis. I don't think, um, I don't think that large language models will replace a professional mental health provider's judgment or a professional mental health provider's relationship with a client or a consumer. But I do think it can serve as a support um, in a way that is, um, that is, could be really exciting. That was WFUV's Isabel Danzis talking to Dr. Lori Goldkind about ChatGPT and the opportunities it presents to social work. The Australian-born singer-songwriter Julia Jacqueline is receiving critical acclaim both at home and abroad, and this spring, she's going on tour. So before Jacqueline makes a stop in Brooklyn, we're revisiting Avery Loftus's conversation with her this summer to learn more about the artist's life and musical process. I know in this past year since Pre-Pleasure has been out that you've talked a lot about the title. What does Pre-Pleasure mean to you now? Has the meaning changed at all? The title came from this feeling of this feeling I'd had my whole life of like, if I can just make this relationship good, if I can just figure this out, then I can one day like coast off all of that hard work and I can lead like a pleasurable life. I guess, uh, yeah, I guess like making this record was like the beginning of me realizing that 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 future pleasure pleasure was never going to happen, <laughs> that it doesn't really exist. And I do think that's a big part of growing up. And I feel like I'm like deeply in the middle of that realization now. I read in a Wired article that you mainly write on guitar, but for this most recent album you wrote on keyboard. How have these processes impacted your creativity and performance. I've always had a very complicated relationship with the guitar, which I'm trying to repair. So the keys was kind of freeing because I just felt like a beginner again and I didn't feel any pressure and I didn't have this like internal monologue that was telling me like, you should be better at this by now. How are you trying to, as you said, like repair that relationship? I actually went out and bought a nylon string guitar this morning. And and the nylon string is the first guitar I ever played. I don't know, it reminds me of all that early music that I, you know, really got me into a songwriting, it like reminds me of Leonard Cohen. I think it's just like constantly trying to remember that it's not about being technically good. It's about expression and my voice and my guitar playing like are really connected. I'm having to kind of like tell, remind myself that constantly. I also read that you take influences from Celine Dion and Britney Spears. So can you tell me a bit more about what you draw from these artists to become your own type of star. My dad had like a Grammys, it was like Grammy nominee 1998 CD when I was growing up. The song Because You Loved Me, Celine Dion's song, 
was on that and like you know that's one of my first memories of like hearing singing that made me want to sing and like that is invaluable Britney Spears was the same because you know when I was 11 I watched a it was like a documentary on TV about Britney Spears I just remember watching it and then just turning to my mom and being like mom like I have to get singing lessons (laughs) I suddenly felt ambitious like I remember feeling ambitious I'd never felt that before. I felt like I want to like do things with my life and I want to do that. Like I want to perform. That was WFUV's Avery Loftus speaking with singer-songwriter Julia Jacqueline. Jacqueline's 2024 tour will stop in Brooklyn this May. And that's it from us. But you can check out the What's What Weekly Wrap-Up every week for more features exclusively from the WFUV Newsroom. And make sure to check out the WFUV What's What Daily Podcast every weekday at 3 for the latest local news and feature stories from FUV. And as always, you can find out more at WFUVnews.org. I'm David Escobar. And I'm Jay Doherty. And that's What's What.